Good morning. Thank you for joining me. Um, if you would, please turn over to 2 Timothy. So we're going to be in 2 Timothy today. We're going to be doing quite a bit of um, reading from the scriptures. So last week we discussed this spiritual war that we find ourselves in and how we should be preparing ourselves for it. Now I made... I made the statement that we are soldiers, and as soldiers, it is our role to seek out proper training, to be properly equipped, and we must be able to properly execute orders. So today, what I want us to do is I want us to go a step further. I want us to examine uh, what we can expect in this war, and then I want us to, to examine the council that we receive from the scriptures about this war. So again, we're in 2 Timothy. So just for a little context here, uh, 2 Timothy is a letter written to Timothy from Paul. Um, but it could just as easily be written to any one of us. But I do assure you that this is a message from God to us about himself. So again, we're going to be doing quite a bit of reading. I'm going to read all of chapter 2 because I think it's very important, if not crucial, for us to have proper context. So it says, starting verse 1, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to faithful men who will who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God, one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will, lead to it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some, but God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for, di some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. 
Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with the foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So imagine in this scenario, I know that was a lot and we could spend a long time there, but imagine in this scenario that Paul here, he's writing to Timothy, who would, uh, you know, Paul would, would have been Timothy's mentor, um, spiritual counselor. Um, and Paul is almost positioning himself as a general of this, of this war, writing to one of his captains. So Paul is a good leader. He, he, he exudes a lot of attributes that a good leader has. He wants Timothy to be encouraged and to be steadfast, but he also wants Timothy to understand the very real threat that he faces. So he begins by giving Timothy encouragement before anything else. He reminds Timothy and us of the overarching purpose that we ought to be pursuing. So this seems to be a common theme among the most memorable of speeches. So, if you were to think back to some of your favorite underdog films like uh, Rocky or Rudy, right? Or maybe some historical epics like Saving Private Ryan or 300 or Gladiator or even your favorite superhero film. In each of these um, films, our protagonist, our main character, our virtuous hero is about to face an unbelievable struggle. And just before that climactic scene, just before they think they're going to be defeated, our protagonist is given some kind of speech, whether it comes from within or from an external source. And this speech usually goes something like this. You've fought hard. You've persevered. You know, you've done good, kid. You had everything going against you. Everyone bet against you, and, pr- and you proved every one of them wrong. And now you, have, you, you don't really have anything left to prove to them, but we're not finished yet. This is your time. This is your fight, and everything is riding on this one moment. So show the world what you represent by defeating the undefeatable. Right? We, we hear these these speeches because this is that self-efficacy that 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 we have inherent within ourselves that we must that we sometimes must bolster ourselves um when we face adversity but this is paul not just writing to timothy but like i said he's writing to us he's telling us these things he's saying you've done well you followed you followed the faith that you say that you uphold and now you're about to face some real adversity well, these are the kinds of speeches that give you goosebumps, you know, that stoke that fire in your heart. It bolsters your spirit. And this is the kind of effect that I imagine Paul's writings had on Timothy. And it, ha- it should have the same effect 
it ought to with me. So then Paul goes on to explain some of the very real struggles and adversity that he is certain to face. So we're going to read in 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to look through verses 1 through 9. Uh, I've got some pictures up here. Uh, so if you would, if you're listening, uh, I recommend you go to the video so you can see these. Um, but I'm reading 2 Timothy verse, uh, chapter 3 verses 1 through 9. It says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, and having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as John's and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all. It says, as was that of those two men. So that wasn't, that wasn't meant to be there to necessarily call, you know, I'm, I'm not picking on individuals. I'm not trying to call specific people out by any chance, but we are to call sin exactly what it is. And we're, we're to call sin, sin, and we're not to pull punches there. Um, so not only does Paul assure Timothy of the coming troubles, but he even gives him real life examples, right? He, he, he gives Timothy real life examples of those that have become some of the casualties that we discussed last week. These, these two men that, that it talked about there are, I would assume Timothy would have known them since they were mentioned by name. And they were quite possibly men who were highly acclaimed, um, you know, maybe to show him the vast susceptibility to this, um, to this way of life. So this is why we must remain resolute in the faith, especially, you know, in the faith that we claim to cling to and uphold. We must remain resolute because if we do not remain steadfast and unwavering, if we do not avoid being yoked with people like this, then we will most certainly find ourselves in this list of people who disregard holiness. 
these individuals listed all have one thing in common, unrighteousness. But here's the thing, for, the, for, for anyone who may have gotten upset about the images that I show, do you know what the most disappointing thing is? Is that I find myself in this exact same list at least, at least once. I find myself in this list. So if I am also in this list, then what makes me any different? What gives me the right to make statements like that? What makes me righteous and them unrighteous? The answer is Jesus Christ. See, nothing about me is righteous. I bring nothing to the table. But I do understand that I have sinned against the just and holy God of the universe. And that because I have broken God's law, I am now a transgressor who deserves justice. That justice being eternal death. It is only when I rightly understood how vile and detestable that I truly am that I understood what I rightly deserve. It is only then that I can do the only thing that I could do to receive forgiveness, which is to throw myself down at the feet of Jesus Christ and plead for his mercy that I know I don't deserve. To fall to my face in reverence to the Lord of hosts, the Lord of all creation, and say, God, please have mercy on me, a sinner. This is why we are saved by God's grace alone through our faith. That faith being our trust in the fact that he is exactly who he says he is. Yes, he is love. Yes, he is merciful. But he is also the king of the universe. And when we approach his throne in prayer... We ought to do so with the same reverence that he deserves. We ought to approach that throne on our faces. This understanding is what humbles us. It's what brings us to the understanding that it was only because of the sacrifice of Christ himself, God in the flesh, that perfect spotless lamb, that my sins could be atoned for through him. He bore my sins, and now that he has died for me, it is now my good and reasonable service to live a life that is pleasing to him, a life that pursues righteousness. Now, does that mean that when it says that we're to avoid these people, does that mean that we don't love those people, that we don't witness to those people, that we're not sympathetic and empathetic to them, and that we're not charitable to those individuals? God forbid. But he's very, Paul is very explicit, and God is, that we must not be bound to them. We must not be yoked with them, for they are not of the same spirit. You know, we, we hear the argument today, the common argument is, well, Jesus was a friend of sinners, which isn't true. He was a friend to sinners. But Jesus didn't eat with sinners and tax collectors because he wanted to appear tolerant or inclusive and accepting. He ate with them to call them to repentance. So Paul warns Timothy and us 
of fraternizing with the enemies of God. But for us, soldiers, soldiers for Christ, soldiers for God, then God, through Paul, continues to bolster our resolve in verses 10 through 17. So forgive me for not having it up on the screen, but 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 17. It says, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Isn't that amazing? He's saying that. He's saying that in chains. That he's been rescued, but he's in chains. And then he says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. This is what we can expect in this war. But he says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then he wraps it up with this statement. He says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You know, we love that phrase, soldiers for Christ. It sounds, at least probably men do, right? It sounds sounds manly. <laughs> it's got a bit of bravado to it. But you have to understand what a soldier does. A soldier goes into battle. A soldier fights. A soldier meets adversity after adversity. He spends a lifetime fighting for truth, fighting for peace, as oddly as that might sound. And that a soldier without a war isn't really a soldier anymore. Why am I saying this? Because we must understand this war. We must understand that it is real. We must understand that there will be casualties. We must understand that it is is going on around us right now, right this minute. That, That Satan will send out his servants, his demons to distract us from the word, to distract us from truth, or to entice us with fleshly desires, or sometimes even worse as your own desires will distract you or entice you. You know, people think that that it's Satan right here, that Satan is speaking in my ear, but Satan, we have to remember, he is not God. He is not omniscient or omnipresent. So if he's sitting right here whispering in my ear trying to convince me to do something or you know trying to play on my desires then that says a lot about me but he's not now does he send his demons i hope so i hope that i've built up that i've 
shown myself approved as a worker of God enough that he feels like that I'm a threat. I hope he does for you. I hope Satan sees us, and when we get up, he's like, oh, no, not again. You know, I talked last week. I heard I heard Matt Chandler say this one time. He is tired of constantly being on the defensive and that we need to take our equipment, our training, and our orders, and we need to attack the gates of hell. That we need to do this by preaching truth, by, by spreading love, by spreading the truth, right? That is loving. By telling the world the truth about sin, about repentance, about who God truly is, and that he's not some perversion that America today has somehow adopted. We are at war, and we are soldiers for Christ. If you are an are, are born again, and you have been saved by the renewing of your mind, by, by the renewing of your spirit and God has has shown you grace and mercy then you are a soldier of his and now it is your duty as a soldier to engage in this war so hold fast and hang tough remain resolute in the hope that you cling to which is the person and work of Jesus Christ. And as soldiers for Christ, expect adversity. Even expect sometimes that you may find yourself in the iron sights of your own family members at times. But I hope that that you go away today with the assurance that Jesus Christ, if he has saved you, has engrafted you into the kingdom of God, which there can be no other outcome but victory. Wouldn't it be great to know, to know before you go into battle that your side wins? To know. Well, you can. So as you go away today, I want us to understand together that we are in and about to be entering the battlefield when we go out into the world you are now entering the battlefield so this week remain resolute stand firm be sure you are still constantly and consistently seeking out proper training that you are making sure you are properly equipped and that you are executing his orders properly And understand now what, what your role is as a, as a soldier for Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for another beautiful day that you've given us that you haven't promised. Father, remind me of what my duty is as a child of God. Remind me to consistently seek out training. That as long as I'm alive, my training isn't over. There's things and work to be done. Help me get properly equipped more and more each and every day through the study and application of your word. And Father, when I see the orders that you've given me, when I see these commands, that I would execute them perfectly. That I, I would execute them just as you would. 
That's what an ambassador is, Father. That's what you've made me, is that I'm to execute these orders exactly as you would, as a representative of yourself. Remind me of the weight of that responsibility. And Father, don't let me forget to approach your throne with as much reverence as you deserve. And remind me why. Remind me of who you are. Father, you are Lord of all. Forgive me for my unfaithfulness. Forgive me for being a poor ambassador, a poor soldier of yours that fails. Father, continue to transform me more and more starting within my spirit father that it may that it may take flesh that i may represent you well father i thank you for this outlet that you've given me i thank you for being able to even proclaim your word father watch over us this week as we go into battle watch us as we enter this battlefield keep us safe Father, God, guide our feet. Father, help us to continually go back to your word. We love you, and we cannot thank you enough for the grace and mercy that you continually show us. We thank you for your long-suffering and your patience with us. It's in your son Jesus Christ's name that we pray and give thanks. Amen.